TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and done. Touch them all. It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. Hey, hey, welcome to uh, this episode of Touch Them All with Rami Maklov. I'm Phil Mackey. We got Manny Hill hanging out with us and Derek Wetmore. Uh, we can only hear a Hammond Stadium PA announcer behind you on there. So you love it. Is, is it is a game going on right now as we speak? Uh, about half an hour away from first pitch, but they okay. are selling peanuts and hot dogs. Okay. I don't know if you guys are like me. The other day, I told Derek, you know those scent diffusers that you can get, and like you can put lavender <laughs> or orange in them. I want scents of baseball that you could put into a scent diffuser, and if I could have the sounds. Of a baseball stadium. I'd go to sleep to that every night. Just the PA announcer. I'm sure that exists. There's an app for everything. The now, sound right? of batting practice, like the crack of a bat, yeah. the, the organ, cleats the, running the in the crowd dirt. Cheering. That'd be oh, man. How would you rank, since we're on this subject, uh-huh. how would you rank, Rami, your top five baseball scents? Top five baseball scents. That's a good question. The green hey. grass. I don't want to spoil this too much, guys, but Uh this has to be a Five Thoughts podcast. (laughs) At some point, this has to be the episode. All right. You want me to hold on to it for (laughs) for Five Thoughts? I want want the bullet point rankings now, and then you guys can expand on a Five Thoughts later. The green grass, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can smell the beer in the air if you're in the right part of the ballpark. The roasted nuts, I was telling Derek the other day, like that's the one thing. Like those like honey roasted or, or, or sugar roasted nuts that you can smell like down the baseline. So there's three. Popcorn has got to be one. That's four. What would be my fifth scent? Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Can I have to be like hot the ketchup dogs. and mustard? Sort I don't of do ketchup because that's, do ketchup? Un- that's un-American, and I'm a proud American. So no, I don't put ketchup. on Do you my know hot that dogs. this is a fight to save for Mackie and Judd with Rami? Because I've seen Judd. Judd puts ketchup on everything. Oh I, I've seen Judd put ketchup on a chicken Caesar wrap before. What? Okay. Yeah. yeah. What? That's, bank this Judd's for later. crazy. That's a crime. If you, if you haven't figured it out allowed. already, Rami, Judd is crazy. Yeah, but he, yeah. I, he keeps finding new levels of crazy. Well, I keep finding new levels of crazy with Judd. He puts ketchup on a chicken Caesar wrap? The depravity knows no bounds. <laughs> so, uh, so we, uh, full disclosure, if you're listening to this live, quote-unquote, on AM 1500, on Score North on 1500, we did pre-tape some of this. So it's possible Byron Buxton is now like 9 for 9 with right. 100 RBIs. Right, yeah. But at the at the recording of this episode of Touch 'Em All, five for five, ten RBIs, multiple home runs. He looks comfortable and calm at the plate, from what we can tell. But Derek, you've been down there, talking to people, observing Byron Buxton. To what degree should we get excited following the Twins? Three preseason slash exhibition games in about Byron Buxton. I'm buying. I mean, I'm classic hesitant guy i'm classic this doesn't mean anything it's just spring training games and while that's true it's only two albeit great games for byron buxton i just think that with the offseason that he put in the fact that he's now healthy the continuity of a hitting coach and james rousen sticking around a new manager who we've talked about might be able to sort of unlock him to whatever extent that's a real thing i just the signs are all pointing towards this could be a real thing for Byron Buxton. Of course, it's encouraging to see the stats back that up, but we do have to keep in mind, like, it's just it's two days' worth of stats. So keep, take it for what it's worth with the big grain of salt, but you'd rather see the stats than not see them, and all the rest of the signs that are going into it, his bat-to-ball, his ability to stick around in counts and all that kind of stuff, that's been there so far in the first two games that I've seen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm classic, let's be cautious about this guy, but I'm, I'm starting to believe. 
I saw one of our one of our Twitter followers respond to the post that we put up yesterday that said Buxton is now five for five with eight RBI or whatever whatever the case might be, and they said, "Yeah, well, it's the first week of spring training and everybody's throwing fastballs." Do we know what what kind of pitches Byron Buxton is hitting? Because correct me if I'm wrong, they're the just cur- underhand lobs, and we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing slow pitch softball, basically. No, yeah. but the cur- Dang it. the curveball has been the problem for Buxton in the past, right? He yep. he hasn't been able to find the curveball. Derek, do we know if he's hitting curveball? or is he indeed only crushing fastballs early on in spring training? Well, we were doing a fine radio show the other day when he hit his second home run, so mm-hmm. I didn't see that one. The one that I did see, the one that I took video of Saturday night and posted to the Score North uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, that one I'm told was a changeup. Um, I it was tough to tell because I was kind of shooting the video, mm-hmm. and of course they're not doing you know the public you know MLB game day stuff, so you can just go back and quick check. Your phone but, doesn't check spin rate. <laughs> Not from the press box. I okay. have to be downfield right. level. So, no, I'm just sitting here thinking the fact that he fell behind an account and they were attacking him with secondary stuff, and he still was able to make that solid contact. And it was loud contact. I mm-hmm. mean, you could tell that thing was gone off the bat. Um, so I yeah, don't have a great answer for you on the second home run, Rami, but he's not just crushing batting practice fastballs, if that's what you mean. Derek, does he look – how does he look physically? Does he look stronger? Does he look like he's – I know talking with Pat and, and doing uh, Royce Unchained the other day, he talked about how it just looks like he's gotten himself stronger to, I guess, m- more so to keep himself healthy if he goes crashing into a wall in center field again trying to make another circus yeah. catch. That yeah. he's, he's making himself stronger to sort of hold up for an entire season. Yeah, dude, he, he is impressive. I mean, he always has been. I and mean, I met this kid in 2012 when he was literally like, how old was he? Was he 18 years old coming out of Georgia high school? And he was still, you could tell, okay, this guy is an athlete. Uh, look at his hands. You look at his shoulders. He's just, he looks like he really could run. And then we saw, oh, yeah, he really can run. He just, he has this natural athleticism, I'd say, not to take anything away from him and his hard work and everything like that. But he's always looked like an impressive athlete to me. And now it's like, He's that same skinny, strong build, but he's just like cut like a diamond now because his shoulders are stronger. His his I don't know if his chest is actually bigger in circumference, but he looks more imposing. Keep in mind he's he's not a huge bulky guy, so the muscle does tend to stand out more. Um, but yeah, I mean I would say if you're just judging by the eye test, <laughs> Byron looks great this spring. Uh, might even might even be cause for some people to write uh, the hashtag best shape of his life story on on Byron Buxton. I, I think it really is impressive. And the crashing into walls, I've always said there's a simple solution to not getting hurt crashing into walls. Stop crashing into walls. <laughs> that would be my first recommendation. But that's not Byron Buxton. That's not the way he plays center field. So if he's going to continue to crash into walls like that, risking life and limb, well, then probably add a little padding onto that thing. And that's what he said he did this winter. Uh, are, are you guys baseball reference nerds? I know Derek is. Yeah, oh, I don't dig. I don't question. dig too deep, but yeah, I, I use it. I feel like frequently. I probably average between five and ten baseball reference pages, like player pages per day, just like for fun. <laughs> like my a name will pop into my head, and I'll just have to go search it. And so I, I in bringing up my and the rabbit holes you can go down are yeah. incredible because yes. just everything is a link. And, <laughs> right, right. That's me in basketball reference all the time. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All in fact, all of those reference sites, Pro Football Reference, it's ridiculous. So I pulled up. Byron Buxton's baseball reference page, and if you scroll to the bottom, they have something called similarity scores, 
where they, I don't know what all factors into this, but they give you, based on your career to this point and your age to this point, the most similar players. Okay. And that list for him is not very good right now because he yeah. hasn't been a very good player for the right. most part outside of a couple stretches. Uh, but there is a name on this list, Cameron Mabin, that gets me thinking about the scale of what Byron Buxton could be on a scale of blank to blank, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this out as a scale of Cameron Mabin. Okay. A bust, but... Because he could play defense and steal some bases, he's stuck in the league. He's been in the league for like ten years as just a fourth outfielder. Basically, but that's that's the base. Cameron Mabin is the base. I don't think Byron Buxton's career is going to be worse than Cameron Mabin's. No, is what I'm saying. I would agree because he's at at the very least he's a fourth outfielder who can track down fly balls. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to stick in the big leagues for ten years based on his defensive prowess, right? Which is Cameron Mabin at this point, right? So on a scale of Cameron Mabin to what people thought Byron Buxton could be at his best, I think the ship has sailed. But Mike Trout, because Buxton was the number two overall pick. Okay, yeah, he's not Mike Trout. Five tools. Sure. But when he was in the minor leagues and batting 320 and hitting home runs and gold gloves, people thought, man, this could be a Mike Trout situation here. Mm-hmm. The plate discipline isn't the same as Mike Trout's. He doesn't walk enough. But on a scale of Cameron Mabin to Mike Trout. Okay, are you going to give us a few names I have in between? Two names in between. Okay, all right. That I would be okay with him turning out to be. Okay. okay. Mike Cameron, longtime center fielder for the Seattle Mariners. Like it. A I guy who that. he hit enough and won a bunch of Gold Gloves was a twenty to thirty home run hitter on a regular basis. Right. He had four home runs in a game once off the, against the White Sox. Yeah. And only Manny Hill would remember the team that he did it against. Yes. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> did it at Comiskey. Yeah. Um. So I I think. If if he falls between a Mike Cameron and then I pulled this name from Mike Cameron's similarity score a step up. Okay, you guys remember Vernon Wells from the Blue Jays? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. So Vernon Wells was a multi-time center field Gold Glove winner. Uh, he got MVP votes a couple of times. So played a wonderful defensive center field and regularly hit for power. Twenty-five, thirty home runs. Uh, he was more of a middle of the order bat, so his RBI totals are higher. Buxton's probably more of like a number two hitter mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I think if he wound up in that. In that Vernon Wells, Mike Cameron range, I would absolutely sign up for ten years of that with Byron Buxton. I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Now, but when you say sign up, what do you mean? Like, are you going to put a price tag on that? Well, like door number one being you can get he's Mike Cameron. Okay. Or door number two, you don't know what he is. Could be Cameron Maben. You don't know. Would you take his career being Mike Cameron's career? Yes. Without absolutely. knowing what's behind door number two. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's funny you guys asked this. Phil, you were talking about similarity scores, so I remembered the exchange that we'd had the other day about, like, yeah, who do you think he'd be if if this kind of goes the way you're expecting? I'm not joking. I have Mike Cameron's baseball reference page up. I was going to go through his career <laughs> and talk about how similar I thought they could be because Mike Cameron was one of these excellent defensive outfielders that didn't really get the shine he probably deserved because Andrew Jones. Just, yeah, we maybe just didn't value defense good. And, and, Tor- and Torrey Hunter was was a, the center field. Defensive center fielders in the early 2000s, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the, in the major leagues. So I kind of put him in the category right now of guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, um, Pilar, and they're just sensational center fielders who, if they can hit, then great. They're a very valuable player. That's sort of how I view Buxton. Um, I'm a bit of a gambler, though, so when you ask me, like, would I take door number one being Vernon Wells or door number two being could he be better than that, potentially? I'm just curious to see what's behind there. Vernon Wells is a great player, and so is Mike Cameron. Um, so I don't think that you should just uh, turn that down if you're the Twins right now, if you had this hypothetical uh, agreement. 
just say, all right, next 10 years, who's this guy going to be? But this is going to sound crazy because I just said those are two great players. I do think Buxton can be better. I think. I, oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah I think I'm, the potential yeah. is there for him to be somewhere between uh, Vernon Wells and Mike Cameron and Mike Trout. I mean, there is there is some wiggle room in between the, in between there, isn't so there? Should we, well, should, we, should we sharpen this pencil more? Let me find a couple players <laughs> between Vernon Wells and Mike Trout. Please we have do. To. Please so do. Mike Trout. It's like it's funny you bring that up because he was drawing those comparisons when he was in the minor leagues, in part. Because they both played uh, A-ball in Cedar Rapids. I think the Angels had that affiliate for a while in the Twins. Um, but they're not really the same player. I mean, Mike Trout, as a minor leaguer, hit three forty-one with a four twenty-six on base and power. That's that good. Was, that's, I mean, Byron Buxton was a good hitter in the minor leagues. He's put up numbers even at as high as AAA Rochester, but not that kind of numbers. Like Those are the ones that make you look at it and say, who's this rookie? Uh, is he on track to be a Hall of Famer? Because, yeah, that's Mike Trout. Buxton has had a problem making that final jump, and we've talked about all the contact issues and pitch recognition and all that kind of stuff. If he solves that, he's closer to that kind of player. But I've I've definitely moved on from the high, high, high comparison and just look, hey, can he be a Kevin Kiermaier? Can he be Kevin Pillar and be an awesome defensive center fielder who sometimes hits enough to justify a spot in the lineup? Okay, what about a prime Tim Salmon? How about, tell about <laughs> Tim Salmon? No? You know, one, one guy I'm kind of thinking of, though, is, and hopefully Byron can avoid the injuries as this guy faces he got into his late 20s but like a Grady Sizemore type ooh okay before you the know, injuries before the injuries yeah, yeah. yeah I Gr- mean Grady Sizemore was for like a three year stretch one of the best players in baseball and yeah. there was a knee problems mm-hmm. yep. knocked him out I think he had like microfracture surgery I think one year and just didn't did, just never really recovered from it I'm yeah. surprised to see that Vernon Wells only made three All-Star games. I, th- I thought he had a m- much more distinguished career than that. But, yeah, I mean, he was like a 270 hitter with a 320 on base and a little power. You would absolutely take that right now if you're Byron Buxton. Grady Sizemore is an interesting one because injuries did kind of ruin his career. Yeah. Rocco Baldelli, the injury or whatever we're referring to it as, is his condition. I, I don't even actually know the proper way to term what he dealt with in his career. That sort of just ruined what was a super promising career of a great prospect. And that's been one of the low-key problems about Byron Buxton is it's not just the ability on the field. He's had a tough time staying on the field in each year. So that's probably number one for this for this 2019 campaign. That's the goal. I see Phil going down the baseball reference wormhole. I'm witnessing it as we stand here and do the show. But since before he, he throws out the next name, because I know he's got more, uh, I, one just came to mind that I think probably falls in the same category as the Vernon Wells and Mike Camerons, but may, I think maybe just a, a, a notch above, and that's Lorenzo Cain. Okay. If he could be a Lorenzo Cain type of player who, again, great defensive center fielder who covers more ground and probably doesn't get recognized as much as 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 he should for that defense and can do some things with with the bat at the plate i think lorenzo kane if he pans Here's out to be that type of guy what you're really trying to avoid and sorry to cut off your uh, rabbit good. hole mm-hmm. phil <laughs> oh no i i'm fine on my own over here <laughs> yeah, you guys I'm just okay. do the show you guys are good no, you want to know about jim edmonds in the uh, late 1990s yes. i've got you covered here Derek, sure he do. has a look on his face that i have on my face when i go down much different wormholes on the <laughs> <laughs> we talking Rick's angels, list? Jim Edmonds? <laughs> yeah, we are, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
Uh, what you're really here is the the like you said Cameron Maben is a worst case scenario. I don't really agree. Like Cameron Maben's an okay player. Worst case scenario is like Billy Hamilton, super fast guy, just can't hit to make it work. I think that would be sort of the concern. Um, the the nice thing about Buxton is he has posted great offensive numbers in the minor leagues, but. There's a certain point where, like, if you just can't make contact enough, if you're going to be a 40% strikeout rate guy and not add power, that's really tough to overcome with a great glove and, and speed. So there's there's a huge range of outcomes. I'm, I'm lowering the ceiling for Mike Trout, but I think I'd also lower the floor to, like, a Billy Hamilton-type player. Uh, here, here is where the baseball reference rabbit hole okay. has taken me. Okay, so I was I was back on the Byron Buxton current comparables player list. Okay, and it's not good because again he's just he hasn't been very good. But one of the names on that list is a guy who I believe saved a perfect game one time in a Chicago Dwayne Wise. Wise. Dwayne, Dwayne Wise, Wise. Yeah, nice. I was I just thinking about he robbed a home perfect game, right? Yeah, yeah. It was either a it was a diving catch or a robbed home. No, run. he robbed it, it over the wall. Robbed it over yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah. So it's he saved one everything. of the most memorable catches that I've watched on TV, and it's. I think it was just starting to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the era where you could like see uh, maybe MLB Network flashed in and said, "Hey, there's a perfecto going. You might want to pay attention if you like baseball." And like. Everyone floods to their TV in the eighth inning or something like that. I want to say that I caught that game, or the the end of it anyways. And I was thinking about him because Rami and Manny were talking about really compelling close games and the action being tight, and that's what makes baseball fun. I always I like wanted to bring up Dwayne Wise's name as like <laughs> that was like one of the most memorable catches ever and what else did he do in his career? It doesn't matter because it was a, it was such a fun moment for Burley and the White Sox. Uh, it's Touch Em All on the all-new Score North on 1500, and we are really excited at some point here in the very near future to announce the expansion of our twin shows on Score North. And you can find all of our twin shows, and a lot of you are probably listening to this on demand right now, on our Score North Twins feed. Anywhere you find podcasts, just search Score North Twins, S-K-O-R North Twins. And you'll find Touch Em All, Five Thoughts, and a couple more shows soon to be announced. I'm Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore out at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers. We got Manny Hill, we got Rami Maklov, and I think when we come back here, gentlemen, let's have an honest conversation about the state of Twins pitching. If Byron Buxton is clicking, and they just added Marwin Gonzalez, and they added Nelson Cruz, I mean, I think we can feel pretty good about this lineup. What about the pitching? Let's talk about that when we come back on Touch Em All. Hey everyone, it's Matthew Collar. All of our Vikings coverage used to be on 1500ESPN.com. Well, now you can find it at the all-new scorenorth.com. That is S-K-O-R-North.com. That's where you'll find everything from Judd Zolgad's blazing hot takes to Sage Rosenfels' analysis on the Purple Podcast, my coverage on a daily basis of the Vikings, free agency, draft scenarios, interviews with football insiders, everything you want, Purple Daily, the Purple Podcast, Vikings Vent Line, it is all at scorenorth.com. Com. Tell everyone that we met online. Scorenorth.com. Touch them all back on Score North on 1500 and Scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Phil Mackey back here in our TCL broadcast studios. Derek Wetmore is live from Twins Camp in Fort Myers, brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. And Phil, you said you wanted to talk this segment about the Twins pitching. It looks like the lineup. By many accounts, I was telling uh, Derek the other day, I was talking to Bernie Pleskoff, the longtime Astros and A's front office man who now does some baseball writing. He loves this lineup, says the the Twins have the potential to be awesome. He and I had a little exchange on Twitter. So 
we all are pretty sure this team will be able to score runs. The question is, will they be able to prevent other teams from doing so and therefore win baseball games? And before I think we even get into the who's of the Twins pitching staff, I think a big question is the how. And how much are we going to see the use of openers, super relievers, this unorthodox way of handling a pitching staff that we've seen creep into baseball the last few years. And we know the front office is sort of on that curve, the analytic curve that's that's led the way in how pitching staffs are handled. And Rocco Baldelli comes from Tampa Bay, where they experimented more than anybody with how they use their pitching staff. So I think that's that's a bit of an unknown for us at this point in terms of how they're going to handle that pitching staff. So I, I want I want your thoughts, Rami and Derek's on this. I'm just going to float this theory. It mm-hmm. feels like the Twins sought out better hitters in free agency and just by any means, let's go bring better hitters in from outside the organization because we're not good enough right now and we can't just roll the dice on four unproven young players who haven't clicked yet, even though they did give contracts to a couple of those guys, mm-hmm. right? And so they made a concerted effort to go bring in a power bat in Nelson Cruz. They've, they clearly had their eye on multi-positional utility type guy, Marwin Gonzalez. His name's been out there. But they feel, they, they feel suspiciously confident in what they have pitching-wise right now, unless, unless they have made offers to, and there was a reported offer or flirtation with, with Craig Kimbrell, and Dallas Keuchel is still out there, and who knows? They did sign Lance Lynn late in the process last mm-hmm. year, but... I look at what they've done on the pitching side and say, okay, like Jose Barrios, pretty sure you know you're going to get a, a, a top 15 American League pitcher right there. Uh, I like Trevor May a lot. I like uh, I like Taylor Rogers a lot. And there's you could make a case for a couple more bullpen guys. But they're really rolling the dice on Michael Pineda, multiple surgeries, on uh, Martin Perez, who has been mostly terrible in his career as as a starting pitcher to this point. And they're rolling the dice, I would say, even on Jake Odorizzi to some extent, who's been very mediocre. And Kyle Gibson was wonderful last year, but it was Kyle Gibson's only real quality six-month stretch of his starting pitching career. Do they know something we don't, Derek Wetmore? Well, you put it the right way. that like They're suspiciously confident about it. And I do think that there is this belief internally that they have the pitching. That bullpen starter, or to borrow a phrase from Derek Falvey, or otherwise, uh, <laughs> they feel pretty good about it. Like I don't know that I agree with them fully. I, I don't know that like that I would expect Martin Perez to turn in 32 good starts uh, and keep his ERA under four. Like, I don't know that that's a smart bet, but it does seem to be the bet that they're making. I, I wrote about Dallas Keuchel um, Monday for scorenorth.com, and he had done a quick little, he's working out in Houston, I guess, and the local Fox TV affiliate get a quick uh, sound bite posted to Twitter, and he, he basically was talking about how I'm not panicking because I'm just here getting ready for the season, but I guess at the same time I'd kind of like to get into a camp and have this thing over with and meet my new teammates or meet my old teammates again. And it has me thinking, like, if Dallas Keuchel is out there and you, Phil Mackey, think that the Twins need to upgrade starting, you're certainly not alone in that belief. There are tons of Twins fans I hear from who really think that the pitching is sort of unsettled right now, and they want that upgrade for a guy who's been a good pitcher in his career for the Astros. Won a 2017 World Series, they don't win it without him, probably. So, the fact that that guy is still out there, and a large group of people who are smart about baseball, Twins fans who listen to Touch Em All, namely, think that the Twins need to go there, 
and the Twins haven't gone there? It leads me to believe that either A, Dallas Keuchel and his agent are just asking for prices that are super uncomfortable for the Twins for whatever reason, or B, and I think this might be more likely, that the Twins think their pitching is better than we think their pitching is. I, guess, I don't know if I agree with their assessment, but that's kind of the way I'm I'm reading the tea leaves on this. If if there are good guys out there, Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keuchel, and on and on, and the Twins are just like, nah, we're good. And don't you don't you think that outside of a, a handful of teams, and I don't even know if I would go so far as to call it a handful, a lot of Major League Baseball and, and baseball fan bases feel the way that that Twins fans feel right now. I mean, how many how many staffs have more than three starters who fans look at and go, yeah, I feel good about that guy. You right. might have four. There's almost no fan base in this league that looks at their fifth starter and really likes him. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. There's always question marks around those four and five guys, but I feel like, Phil, that they've they've taken the approach to the pitching staff much the same that they have to some of their offensive players, and that's that's guys who they're sort of gambling on, guys who have or at one point in their ceiling had high ceilings and are kind of those boom or bust prospects. Not not prospects in the classic sense, but the prospect of them either being very good or or not not living up to expectations or not rebounding from from some disappointing seasons here recently. Yeah, they it's are, Oh, go ahead, Derek. I was just going to say that they are counting on two guys that I think we'd look around the room collectively and say, mm, you sure? And you mentioned Gibson and Odorizzi, but we kind of saw who they are last year. I think a reasonable bet that they could repeat. But Pineda missed all of last season after Tommy John and then got hurt late in the year, too. That would have me nervous. And then Martin Perez is just... Uh, huge question mark in my mind but everything i keep hearing down here guys is the twins really feel strongly that they can make martin perez a better pitcher than he's been at this point in his career granted they said that about anibal sanchez last year and we all laughed at him i got my hand raised in the air for that and then what they do they cut him for lance lynn and he went and had a good year for atlanta so they've been right in the past at times when we all looked at them sideways and said you sure about this guy because <laughs> there's something about their pitching and development that apparently you know they gave the blueprint to Anibal Sanchez, and then he went and used it to great success with the Braves. So, yeah. I'm I'm skeptical, of course, but I'm also willing to say like I'm 0 and 1 when I make fun of them on that stuff. And yeah. I guess I'm gonna just wait and see how they play out this time. You know, I don't know if they went in consciously saying, "All right, we're gonna spend most of our free agent money on hitting and almost none of it on pitching." Um, I, 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 my guess is they probably have some thought behind that strategy, but it would seem on the surface to make sense that if you sign a pitcher, look at you, Darvish, last year with the mm-hmm. Cubs, Rami's beloved Cubs, mm-hmm. you could sign a guy where all signs point to, yep, this is a re- this is a dude who's in his prime. He's already had a surgery, so you probably shouldn't have to worry about that too much. And you're going to get at least three or four years of quality starting pitching out of him, and maybe worry about the back end of the contract later. And then boom, like the guy doesn't, the guy he's out in May because of. That's what happens with pitchers. Their right. elbows and shoulders blow out, right? Because the human body isn't designed to do that. Right. right. So wouldn't it be a prudent strategy to avoid, if, especially if you're a middle market team and you can't get locked into bad contracts, if you can find ways to squeeze extra productivity out of your internal guys and then go look to cherry pick the one and two year contracts while you spend the majority of your money on bats, corner outfielder, DH type of guy that can bring in 40 home runs. Um, I think I understand what they're doing if it is intentional. I also well, think that Phil, when when because of what you just said about the 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 hit or miss nature of of getting a pitcher and 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 the, the frequency of injuries, 
when Thad Levine said at Twins Fest a, a couple months back that they're going to make that big free agent signing, they're going to go out and spend that money when they feel like they're in position to put their their foot on the Indians' throat. Do you want to go out and sign a starting pitcher now and hope that he's still at the top of his game when it is time to put your foot on the Indians' throat? Or do you want that to be the move that puts the foot on the Indians' throat? Because the longer that you have a pitcher... If he's injury free, you're just you're just one day closer to an injury. Chances are with a pitcher, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So if they still feel like they're a couple years away from winning, why go get that prize pitcher now and 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 sit there and cross your fingers right. that an injury doesn't happen at just the wrong time? Well, I think they're also looking at the bullpen and saying, okay, this is the extreme of what you're talking about, Phil. That they maybe view that they're good, and we think, are you sure? They're looking at a bullpen of. Taylor Rogers and Blake Parker and throw Trevor May or Fernando Romero into this mix and saying, like, we think we have a good group here. We think mm-hmm. Matt McGill is somebody that people don't talk about but is a good pitcher. There's a number of guys that I could name on that relief list, and they're looking at free agency from years past and saying, um, Cubs, you sure you want that uh, – or, the, sorry, Rockies, you sure you want that Wade Davis contract on the books? And I'm looking at it, it was uh, – Three and fifty-two million, fifty-two million dollars uh, for a reliever who is probably not going to put you over the top. I think you can go on and on down that list and say, I think that the Twins philosophically don't believe in big reliever bets. I could be wrong; they might sign Craig Kimbrell tomorrow, for all I know. But it just seems to me, um, my my speculation is that they don't want those big contracts on the book for the same reason that Rami's talking about right now. And then on the starting side of things, I think they're just they're banking on upside plays. I'm not saying it's the right strategy if you're trying to overcome the Indians in 2019, but Michael Pineda, they bought last year, and if he had had a healthy year and is going into free agency, maybe he's like a $15 million a year pitcher, and instead they're going to pay him 8 because they took on his year of rehab and are hoping for a discount here this year. Anibal Sa- or uh, not Sanchez, Martin Perez. Those two are forever linked in my mind now because <laughs> the Twins are making curious bets on them. Um, they're basically saying like, "Look, we think we're getting a huge value for this because we think he's going to be better than the pitcher that we're bringing in." I think that's effectively what they're saying. So, would Dallas Keuchel make this staff better? I think you can't even argue that. Of course, he would make this staff better if Dallas Keuchel was here instead of Martin Perez. I think you'd say, "Yep." much more confident about this starting five as it currently stands. But I'm, I guess I'm just trying to get back to the point that like, I don't think that the Twins view it as enough of an upgrade that they're willing to shell out that price tag, whatever that is going to be. And then if he's 33 when you're ready to win the World Series, are you sure you want to be paying him a whole ton of money to be that sort of maybe back end of the rotation starter? There, it, it feels to me, guys, like they're really trying to time their pounce, and that's probably coming in the next year or two. Uh, gentlemen, it is time for our random twin of the week. Oh, Nice. If I could indulge Please you two for just a second, okay? Yes. Our random twin of the week. We should set these up so that you have to guess them, but this one's going to be tough to guess. Okay. And uh, Can we try? It'll be tougher for Rami because he doesn't have like the historical 
obscure twin depth. I don't mind sure. losing to Derek. If okay, he wants to make I, it a game, let's make it a game. I don't. I also don't have the 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 Rolodex memory that Phil <laughs> seems to have for the 1996 <laughs> Twins bullpen. I'm like, didn't that team lose a whole lot of games? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I'll just start dropping hints here, and it'll be kind of a the, the hints will get closer and closer as we go along. All right. right? Here, I've got an idea. You hint, Rami. You get a guess, then I get a guess. Okay. okay. All right, he was a he was a twenty sixth round pick by the Twins in the nineteen ninety nine June amateur draft. No idea, Derek. What's your <laughs> out, out of luck, Pratt Rami. Community College from Pratt, Kansas? <laughs> no clue. <sighs> yeah, I'm not even going to lob a guess yet. Okay, uh, this player. Let's see here. This player was a third baseman. Okay, mostly. All right, some first base, mostly third base. Okay, made his Twins slash Major League debut in two thousand four. Third baseman, two thousand. I was going to say Corey Koski, but he's. He was he was earlier than that, right? Didn't he get to the big leagues before 04? That's a good segue into this next clue, which is this player was coined the third baseman of the future when Corey Koski's run was coming to an end with the Twins. The next clue is he didn't become the third baseman of the future. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That the twins I knew that was coming. Hence oh. being the random twin of the day. Uh, was it Terry Tiffy? Terry Tiffy is Terry correct. I would have yeah. never right. got Terry Tiffy. Never, <laughs> ever would have got Terry Tiffy. The Terry former Tiffy. future third baseman for the Minnesota Twins. So, Terry yeah. Tiffy, who hit in, uh, let's see here, 256 career plate appearances with the Twins, batted 226 with five home runs. And a lot of swings and misses on low and outside pitches. <laughs> Come on, Rami, where were you on I'm that? Sorry, one? I got I got to bone up on my Twins history. One of my favorite random uh, jersey sightings was at a Twins game. I think it was a Twins game in Chicago. I was covering the beat at the time. Five versus is probably 2011 now. And some dude, I don't know how he got into the press box, shows up in jorts flip-flops, and a Terry Tiffy Twins <laughs> pinstripe home Shut jersey. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Had to be trolling people. Phil, uh, was it you? <laughs> that is correct, yes. <laughs> I don't know how he got in there. You're two for two, Derek. Two, two good guesses, man. That's pretty good. Oh, man. Well, Wetmore's appearances with us from Fort Myers on Score North, whether it's on Touch Em All or any show, are powered by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. What can people find right now at scorenorth.com and anywhere? You're doing Twins Minutes as well on our social media platforms, Derek. Twins Minutes across Score North on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so be sure you're following us there. And then I'm trying to work on a lineup, like what, what this batting order looks like coming up. It's much, much more difficult than I thought when I originally are you gonna agreed have, to do the story. Are you going to have variations, or are you going to try and come oh, up with... Oh, I got to. Okay. I right, thought you were going to try and come up with one concrete lineup. Uh, right, legit, who left, bats, who high bats? velo. I mean, who bats? Well, Jason Castro bats ninth in this lineup, but who who bats eighth in this lineup? It's right. on paper, it's a very good lineup. Well, B- Buxton maybe, uh, or you got to figure out like where is Marwin Gonzalez going to play, and he's got to push somebody off of that lineup. That's why it's so challenging, and that's kind of what I'm trying to have fun with is like all the different ways that you can inject Marwin Gonzalez in here, and you get basically one million different batting orders. So that's kind of fun right now. Yeah. So uh, that's Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers and all of his work on scorenorth.com and also his, his, his video content from, from the fort on all of our social media platforms. Touch them all. Returns on Score North shortly. So North. Scorenorth.com. 
Welcome back into Touch 'Em All on Score North on 1500. This segment is brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. I'm Derek Wetmore, and my guest today is none other than Twins Chief Baseball Officer, CBO, Derek Falvey. Derek, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Derek. Yeah, it's awesome. So I, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about pitching and how you guys have sort of assembled it. Um, I look at Cleveland staff, and I think, man, they have got the horses, and yeah. they, they are maybe the class of the division in that case. Um, but I know you guys are also confident in your own group internally. Mm-hmm. What what went into building this, uh, let's start with the rotation, building that out this offseason, and how confident are you guys that you have the group to contend? Well, no, no question. When you look around baseball, you look at different rotations and what they look like, and at the end of the day, you're just looking to prevent runs, however you do it, right? So <laughs> right. rotation, bullpen, defense, the combination of all. We, we know that Cleveland staff is uh, certainly the class of the division, maybe the class of baseball right sure. now in terms of projection going into the seasons. We get that, but we look at you know what we can control, which is mm-hmm. what, what does our staff look like? And Jose Barrios, you know, let's start with him, somebody who made real strides over the last 24 months here and has has taken on the role of staff leader and ace you know, sure. we know what he can do gets deep into games he's getting better by the year and i think that he leads the charge after that you know someone like kyle gibson who came back last year and had the best season of his professional career we fully anticipate him continuing to build off of that and then after that you have guys like michael pineda coming back from uh, his surgery someone we fully anticipated for 2019 would be a big part of our rotation jake odorizzi's had a great offseason working with kyle doing some of the work that Kyle had done the year before to put himself in a really good spot. We feel like as a rotation stabilizer, and then someone like Martin Perez, who just a couple of years ago was a good, really good young middle of the rotation mm-hmm. starter with the Rangers. Uh, we feel we've identified some things that can help him moving forward. So those five plus some other young guys that are going to come behind it and continue to support the next wave in the inevitable reality that you're going to need more than five starters yeah. to get through a season. Right. We always talk about. Sometimes we say there is no such thing as a fifth starter. Other times it's like, well, who's your ninth guy in line? Exactly. <laughs> who you're right. need I build it out. There might be five on opening day, yeah. you know, but there's certainly six, seven, eight, nine, ten that you're worried about. Sure, I think a lot of Twins fans right now, Derek, are curious about. Uh, curious is maybe the polite way. Maybe they're skeptical mm-hmm. about uh, Pineda coming sure. off a year, and also uh, Perez. These are guys I know that you think highly sure. of. What sure. is it that what's what's different about your outlook than maybe what we're looking at from the outside? Sure. So in, in Pineda's case, you know, he, this guy was a, a strong kind of middle to top of the rotation guy with the New York Yankees for a number of years. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. and we recognize that that sets a guy back. And, and so uh, I think the reality is we're all uh, we're all what have you done for me lately types, right? <laughs> yeah. in, in our world these I'm days, I'm guilty. Everybody is. Yeah. Everybody is, and I, I I don't I don't begrudge anybody on that. But what our job is is to try and figure out are there opportunities for upside and development. And you know, I remember last spring training, we brought in Anibal Sanchez, hoping mm-hmm. that we could maybe capture some of that. We didn't realize it ourselves. You know, He went on and pitched in Atlanta, and I'm incredibly happy for Anibal. But we need to try to find ways where maybe the, the, the big-picture perception doesn't match what the reality is, and we can find ways to make them better. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Sanchez because I made fun of you guys for it last year <laughs> and then he went and had a great year yeah. so you know I had egg on well, my face it, after that it's it's one of those things that it's about development I, I talk a lot about development and uh, internally certainly sure uh, but I think there's still development to be done at the major league level consistently and and Anibal is somebody who even at that stage of his career even with all the years under his belt was willing to make some changes and adjust and you saw what he you know he went on to do elsewhere so you guys think something similar for Perez might be possible or you're sort of making that bet it's a small bet but if sure. it pays off for you guys it it could be really really good for you and answer this as as thoroughly as you'd like to i understand there's some trade secret stuff here 
But how many people are working on, I'll call it like a Martin Perez project? He comes into spring training. You're going to lay eyes on him. Rocco Baldelli and Wes Johnson and certainly that group. But I got to imagine it goes much, much further than that. No question. Martin's a great example. You know, Thad Levine knew him from his time in Texas. So he knew the kid. He knew the makeup, some of the work ethic and and passion. But then you start with your scouts, you know, the guys who are out there seeing those players and really understanding how their mix works. You've you've got your analysts in the in the office that are evaluating his pitches and the pitch mix and maybe ways to to optimize that mix. You know, you see now, you know, to get into the trade secrets so to speak, you see you try and identify a certain pitch type that may work for a guy. I think of you know, what Milwaukee did last year with a guy like Wade Miley who developed a cutter and, and and totally transformed the way he went and pitched. So I see it across baseball happening, sure. not just in our space. We need to be just as good, if not better, than everybody else in doing that. But there's a number of analysts, there's a number of scouts, there's a number of player development folks, certainly the major league coaches that you just mm-hmm. mentioned are a big part of that, and they all come together. And quite frankly, with Martin, we had Wes Johnson and Jeremy Hefner talk to him before we signed him you know, to really get a sense for how open-minded he was to mm-hmm. a new idea and a new plan, and that was part of the conversation. That's great. Well, and Taylor Rogers is another example of a guy who yep. can sort of change his mix, adds a slider last year, and becomes untouchable. No doubt. Uh, is it dozens? Might there be 20... 20- 25 people that are impacting this? I don't think it's quite that okay. high. You know, certainly, <laughs> I'm um, just like trying to read through the like how many guys are going to be sure. involved in a project. Yeah, I think you know, typically you have your major league pitching coach and then your assistant pitching coach or a bullpen coach. Uh, you may have an advanced person or two involved in the process, then a couple of analysts and now a scouting group. So you're talking more in the order of magnitude of 6 to 10. But okay. Taylor Rogers is a great example of somebody who last year, here's a good one where trial and error is really impactful. You Taylor Rogers for a long time was helped to assisted in developing a changeup. That yeah. was always the view. It That's was right. he has a good breaking ball, he has a good fastball. How do you develop the changeup to help neutralize against right-handed hitters? Sure. Well, he struggled a little bit with the changeup development and he tried a lot of different things, but it wasn't right the right pitch for him. When he was when he was able to develop a second version of a breaking ball, that basically took care of the need for a third pitch and that's what allowed him to take off. Yeah. And helps neutralize those righties that you're no talking question. about. No question. Exactly right. He'd be an example of somebody that I think you internally view maybe higher than the consensus. Um, I guess, to put it bluntly, is there a danger in like being too optimistic about, not Taylor, for example, or I mean not Taylor specifically, but a number of pitchers? Do you ha- try to balance that sort of rose-colored glasses that we can always sort of naturally have? Yeah, I think you know my approach is you root yourself in evidence first, right, and, and what your information tells you around projections and sure. information and systems. But then you have to layer on a little bit of what do we think we can do developmentally, which is more of the art. You know, There's a science mm. and an art blend, and I think that there's only so far you really should push yourself. So a great example of that is we take our projections of all our players. That gives us a baseline, tells us who we think are you know, some of the best players. It's no surprise probably the Mike Trouts of the world and others are going to project well, right? So you get that. <laughs> I have but a good then, projection for him this year, <laughs> right. too. But then you have to layer on a little bit of perspective around sure. if you think he can make these two to three changes – it will make his projection better. Mm. And if you identify that there's something there that you think is achievable versus, and it's not wishful thinking, it's actually a plan, then you can feel better about it. But you have to root yourself in that plan. That's great. Our guest is uh, Derek Falvey, twin CBO, and we're talking pitching and pitching development. Derek, something you were well known for in Cleveland, of course. Um, Let me ask you this as we move on and, and touch them all here. You've got a, a number of interesting roster candidates, and I look down the pitching list and I say, like, okay, I say interesting in the way that we use it in Minnesota, which is to say it's fascinating, but it's also uh, there's some uncertainty sure. of 
high upside, also like a low floor of a guy who maybe it's not a big league arm. That just happens across a yep. system. Uh, I'm curious to know, uh, as you go about assembling this roster, you guys think about uh, minor league options and how that can give you flexibility throughout the season. It's just a part of roster construction these days. Are there any that are going to affect things out of camp or something that we as as fans and as media and observers that we need to have our eyes on, maybe guys that are out of options that you have to really think really long and hard about how to place them on the team? Well, I think yeah, definitely. So there are a number of guys that are out of options within our roster group right now that we really like. You know, So say take someone like Adelberto Mejia, sure. uh, pitcher we, we felt has gone through some ups and downs in his career. We've seen the best of him at different times and really good pitches, really good weapons. Uh, we've also seen when he's been hurt. You know, sure. and, and so that's the challenge. For someone like him, we're right now building him out to have a few innings under his belt and make sure that he has multi-inning ability, but if he falls on the outside out of our rotation outlook, we do think this guy's a major league pitcher who can get outs, and it could be interesting in the bullpen. You know, I, I look across baseball, and uh, I, I think about someone like Andrew Miller yeah. or Brad Hand or others. These guys weren't necessarily household names for a period of time, especially as starters or coming up through the minor leagues, and now they've become dominant you yeah. know, bullpen arms. Yeah. And I feel like there are starters, clearly, who go to the bullpen and find ways to be more successful out there. Uh, and we're, we're thinking about ways to utilize you know, someone like Fernando Romero or Adalberto Mejia or others as multi-inning firemen of sorts out sure. in the bullpen that can really impact us. Derek, I was talking with Rocco Baldelli the other day and sort of a media scrum in the in the dugout here at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers. And he he talks about pitching in an interesting way. And I wonder if you can elaborate for our listeners a little bit about when he was talking specifically about Romero, he didn't say reliever, he said a shorter stint pitcher. Um, when he was talking about Mejia, he was talking about length, just like you just spoke of for Mejia. He didn't necessarily say he's a starter or not a starter. He said, you know, we're flexible with his role and we want to get him some length in spring training. Um, I heard that in Milwaukee they're using just outgetters. They call pitchers outgetters now. How are you guys conceiving that? Is is it uh, similar to what they've done with the Brewers too? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I've heard some people even say. Yeah, over, over time, if you think of baseball, this is what I love about the game. You go back the last 100 years. Yeah. Every decade, every 20 years, it changes. There were guys that used to go seven, eight, nine innings, you know, pretty regularly, sure. and you see big innings totals. Well, then all of a sudden there was an advent of some relievers that came in and finished some games. Then it became the one inning finisher that became the closer. Sure. Now we're talking about openers and things like that. I get it. The, the game evolves, and I think we all adapt to that. But I, I do think now we're realizing some pitchers are better uh, two times through the order versus maybe the third time through yeah. or maybe one time through the order. And one time through the order could mean nine outs, right? If, sure. if you get all the way through and you, you clean it up, could be nine hitters, could be 12 hitters. So you know, we're looking at it as which guys, how do we complement the entirety of our pitching staff in, in total? And I do look at it like maybe like Milwaukee's looking at it like now, certainly like Rocco has. We've talked about it. How do we get the most value out of each of these pitchers? How do we deploy them best? Yeah. Uh, last question for you here, Derek. Thanks so much for uh, coming on Touch Them All. I'm curious to know what you guys are using from a tech perspective. If if there's anything you can share with us, I know around the league you see these, I see them on Twitter every day, people talking about their Rapsodo machines or Edgertronic cameras, anything like that. 
are there things that the twins are using now that maybe if uh, if you teleported from 15 years ago, you you might not even recognize how you guys are helping pitchers? Yeah, th- those two you just touched on. You know, right? Rapsodo and Edutronic are two systems that are available to us. One's a video system. One's more of a ch- pitch tracking system. But I, I think what's what's lost in this conversation is is and it's interesting to talk about the techno question. But the key is how you translate it. The key is how you get a pitcher to understand what he's doing, what he's trying to do, and not just tell him here's the data. I, I think sometimes that gets mis, mis, uh, mislabeled yeah. that we just bring up a, a binder of information here's hand the it to the pitcher sheet. and say here's what it is. Yeah. The key is I'll give you a good example. You know, you get a pitcher who uh, has a certain fastball profile. You know, some guys have sinking fastballs, some guys have more four seam riding fastballs, and then he throws a secondary pitch off of that. Maybe it's a slider. Well, there may be a better combination of fastball types for that pitcher because of the way his slider moves sure so if it's and maybe if he removes one of those fastballs from his repertoire everything plays a little bit better and i've seen that happen before you know with with pitchers and it really becomes effective over time and we'll continue to dig into ways that we can utilize that kind of information to help pitchers find a way to get better and just to clarify you are using the some of the technology to help assess that difference that you're talking about. no question right? you know you're looking at how it comes off the fingers with some of these pictures sure. with some of these cameras and videos uh, how the ball spins and you're using the data to really back it up to look at it in a larger sample so i think these are tools to make us better and uh, i can tell you that we're never going to stop looking for ways to make us better yeah. at the end of the day and that's <laughs> right. that's the goal right yeah i suppose that's a good thing for a chief baseball officer to say <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's what i'm going to hold everyone else to so I, I better hold myself to that too awesome derek falvey was our guest derek thanks so much for your time i appreciate you coming on touch them all thanks for having me well, that'll do it for Touch Em All. This episode brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. We'll be back Friday with an episode of Five Thoughts. To find that, just subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to podcasts. If it's iTunes, Apple, whatever, search Score North Twins. That's S-K-O-R North Twins. For Phil Mackey, Manny Hill, and Rami Makloff, I'm Derek Wetmore. Thanks for listening to Touch Em All on Score